Hey there. Thanks for joining us for the latest podcast from Resound Church. We really believe that together we are better. And our heart is to reach, send, nurture, and disciple people as they become all that God has intended them to be. You can subscribe to our content on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or head over to our website resound.church forward slash app to grab our app which will keep you up to date with everything going on. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. I want to take some time this morning and talk to you. We've got a new series that we're starting called Legends and Their Legacies. Now, you, you know, when we hear the word legend, obviously, usually we think of something that isn't true, but there's another context for the, the same use of the word. And, you know, when someone does something extraordinary, say, oh, you're a legend. And, and in some ways, you know, Heather is a legend for the way that she's served for so long. And we're not saying she's uh, uh, unreal. What we're saying is, you know, she, she, she's done some legendary things and, um, and we so appreciate that. <coughs> Sorry about that, Nathan. I just feel like I'm getting a whole lot of reverb in my ears. So, And so uh, this series is called Legends and Their Legacies. And what we want to do is walk you through some of the historic characters in the Old Testament and talk to you briefly about the contribution they've made to our experiences. And obviously their stories um, teach us lessons uh, their, uh, their journeys are an example for us in one way or the other because not all of them are good examples. And, and, but the point is this, we want to remind you of some of what they've left behind. Now, the reality is this, the great thing about the Bible is it tells the truth. And you may say, well, of course the Bible tells the truth. What I mean by that is um, it tells you the truth about what people really experienced. It doesn't, it doesn't overinflate it, it doesn't it doesn't hide the truth about what the person is like. But what we're prone to do is summarise somebody's life and in the process we create pressure on our own life by summarising someone's life in a way that does a disservice to the journey that they've been on. My subject this morning is Abraham and we'll get to him in a moment. But I want you to think of David for just a moment. Now, often there's a, there's a phrase that, that, that's used to describe David, and it's a, he's a man after God's heart. And so when we hear that phrase, we think that somehow, some way, David was perfect. We apply that to our own uh, life, and we think, well, there's no way I could ever measure up to David. But the true story of David's life is a whole lot different. Uh, David wasn't perfect in any by any stretch of the imagination, he was not only someone who murdered people, he had a, a, a terrible uh, a moral code, if you like. He did a whole lot of things that he ought not to have done. Now, there are some areas where he was commended and others where he was terrible. But, you know, when we take a summary statement and then expect ourselves to live up to it, we do a disservice to ourselves, but also disservice to the journey that person has been on. I think we also do the same with Abraham to a certain extent. And this morning, as I go through some passages of Scripture, um, hopefully you'll be able to see something of what he went through. We know his story started when his dad took his family and left what was known as the Ur of the Chaldees. Terah was Abraham's father and he travelled and he travelled and got to a certain spot and there they settled and his father died. I want to pick up, and we're going to a whole bunch of verses of scripture this morning. 
Genesis 12 verse 1 to 4 says this, the Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family and go to the land I will show you. I'll make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous and you will be a blessing to others and I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. And all families on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham Abram departed as the Lord had instructed and Lot went with him, who was his nephew. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. Haran was the place where his father had got to. We know that later on, Abram and, and Lot eventually split. What happened is Lot's father had passed away and, and Abram, if you like, adopted him. But we see Abram's journey starting when he's 75. We don't need a show of hands, but there's a few of you here today who are 75 and over. It doesn't matter what your age is. God doesn't stop speaking to you at any particular stage in your life. There is always something that God has in mind for you to do. And, but can I suggest it's probably not the right time to start another family. I know that's what happened here and that's why I'm saying there are some things that are good examples and some that are not. So if you're over 75 and you're thinking, let's start a family, it's probably not the right time to do that. The story moves on, Abram and his lot nephew, eventually they split, we see that God rescued Lot, we know that Sodom and Gomorrah got destroyed, we know that Abram rescued Lot and, uh, and then he met up with Melchizedek, the type of Christ and, um, and there uh, of the spoils he won in the, war, in the wars that he'd been involved in, he gave 10% of what he had what he had received to Melchizedek. It's interesting that Melchizedek, first of all, served him uh, bread and wine. It's, 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 there's a whole lot of imagery, a whole lot of things that are going on there that we could talk about, but we won't today because that's not my point. <clears throat> and then it goes on in, in Genesis 15, there's a reiteration of God's original promise. It starts like this, sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision, said to him, do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. But Abram replied, interesting there, but Abram replied, Sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eliza, uh, Eliza of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. You've given me no descendants of my own, so, no, so one of my servants will be my heir. The Lord said to him, no, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. The Lord took Abram outside and said to him, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abram believed the Lord and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. I, 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 want, this, I want you to keep this in your mind there are three things happening here. There is God's promise or promise, there is Abram's belief and then his obedience. There's a pattern. Abram received this promise and he's, he was 75 when he started the journey and he's getting older in the process. What happens is when he's 87, he thinks, I've got to do something about this promise being fulfilled. Nothing was happening on the home front. IVF didn't work, if I could put it that way. <laughs> Abram and Sarah, they were not producing anything. 
And Sarah comes up with a good idea. She says, well, Abraham, I'm going to give you my servant girl, if you like. Abraham produced and, um, and Ishmael come along. By this time, Abram was about 87. Um, impressive performance on Abram's part. At 87 to have a son. But, but bear this in mind. He was trying to do what God had promised he would do. And he did it in the wrong way. You can talk about family relationships and if you read this, uh, these passages of Scripture, you will see that there is an unhealthy relationship here. As a matter of fact, Abram's making the same mistake that Adam made. I could summarise that, but if I do, I'll get in trouble. He listened to his wife. <laughs> so that was what I was not going to say, but that's what happened. Oh, I'm not going to say it because I know I'll get in trouble and I don't want to get myself in trouble. But that's pretty much what happened. Adam got in trouble because he listened to his wife and he did the wrong thing. Abraham listened to his wife and he got himself in trouble because he did the wrong thing. I'm sorry, I'm getting in trouble now too. (laughs) What's wrong? They were weak, yeah. Well, the problem is not... The problem is not that they were weak, but it doesn't matter who you listen to, if what they tell you is the wrong thing to do, you ought not to do it. And there is a lesson in that, it's just coincidental that in both those circumstances it was their wife who was trying to tell them with the best intentions of what they ought to do, and both of them made serious error. Having your time to go into all of the consequences of that but I want to read to you now from Romans chapter 4 1 to 5. Abraham, his name has changed now, was humanly speaking the founder of our Jewish nation. What he did, what, what did he discover about being made right with God? If his good deeds had made him acceptable to God he would have something to boast about but that was not God's way for the scriptures tell us Abraham believed God God counted him as righteous because of his faith. When people work, their wages are not a gift, but it's something they have earned. But people are counted as righteous, not because of their work, but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners. Now, if there's a legacy that Abraham left behind, it it was his belief, it was his faith. Abraham believed God and he was counted as righteous because he believed God. It wasn't his behaviour, because I've already explained his behaviour with regards to Hagar, his wife's servant girl. And I, I want you to understand that, you know, Abraham didn't have a history of always believing God and everything being fine and dandy. As a matter of fact, there was another occasion where some angels came and did it, we won't go on to try and explain ex- exactly the circumstance, but what happened is this, they reiterated God's promise again and Abraham laughed. As a matter of fact, it wasn't just him laughing, Sarah heard about the reiterated promise from these guys and she laughed to herself because she was thinking, it's not going to happen. I'm old, he's old. It may have happened when he was 87, but now he's 99. 
it, it's not going to happen. And she laughed, and, and, and I think rightly so. I would have laughed as well. We won't go into my mum and dad and their age and things like that for an example, but, <laughs> but, but it's true, isn't it? Depending, you, you get to a point, you think, come on, that's ridiculous. It's not going to happen. It's, it's not only unlikely or improbable, it's impossible. So Abraham laughed, Sarah laughed, and yet God kept his promise. So it's not like Abraham believed all the way through consistently, was always faith. It's not true. His journey was not one of being consistently in faith. And the reason I say that today is because many of you put an unrealistic expectation on yourself and you, you think that your journey should be one of perfection all of the way along. It's not life. It's not how it works. Abraham was credited, if you like, if the summary of his life, the sum of his life was that statement that says, you know, he believed God and he was counted righteous. That's great. But it's not the whole story. And your story is not your failures. There is something distinct, something unique about you that will define you, but it won't be your whole story. You see, Abraham wanted to believe God. There was a promise. There was a question which he had to answer. And then there was a question of obedience. So promise, belief, obedience. Promise, belief, obedience. The promise is indisputable. It's something God listed. Easy to read, easy to understand. The question comes when we get involved, when you get involved, when I get involved, when Abraham gets involved. And the question is this, will you believe the promise? And the reality is this, for most of us as we walk through life, we vacillate on our belief, on that point of belief. We, there are times where we feel really good and we think, yes, I believe. There are other times where, we, where, where we're faced with the promise and it's not that we discount the promise, it's just we don't think it's for us. We think that somehow something went wrong. We, we, we throw over to God's sovereignty and we think God's in charge and what we're actually doing is we're, we're taking away the responsibility we have to believe God at his word. And what happens in the process of us doing that is we damage ourselves. It's okay. It's okay for Amy Lee. God blesses her. He shows her favor, but he just doesn't do it for me. It, it still annoys me. Ruth, and Ruth doesn't drive anymore for obvious reasons. She's not allowed to drive for six weeks. But back when she was able to drive, she would go into the car park at the large shopping centre and she would pray for a car park and God would somehow answer her prayers. I go in unbelief and God never answered my prayer, or actually probably did. I got what I believed, nothing. <laughs> she believed for a car park, she got it. I actually, there's, I, I, there's always a battle on the inside of me. I think if I don't get a car park, then I can't go in. That's good because then I'll save money. <laughs> so maybe I got what I believed, I'm not sure, but anyway. <laughs> But the reality is this, you are faced with God's promises all the time. Uh, those promises, we understand they're, they're in the Word. But there are other things that you know God is speaking to you about via the Holy Spirit. And you have a choice at that point. Do I believe or do I not believe? 
Now, the reality is we can't control the world around about us, but we can control our decision-making. We can choose whether we believe what God says or whether we don't. We can choose to try and work our way into heaven or we can get there on the basis of faith. Now, the reality is this, if you choose to work your way into heaven, you'll realize sooner or later it ain't going to work. It's not going to work for you. And the only option you have is to believe God, as Abraham chose to believe. Romans 4, 13 to 16 says this, Clearly, God's promise to give the whole earth to Abraham and his descendants was based not on his obedience to God's law, but on a right relationship with God that comes by faith. If God's promise is only for those who obey the law, then faith is not necessary and the promise is pointless. Two key elements. Remember, I said before, promise, faith and obedience. What Paul is saying here to the Romans, he's, he's saying faith, if, 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 we, if God's promise is only for those who obey the law based on behaviour or based on obedience, then faith is not necessary and the promise is pointless. For the law always brings punishment on those who try to obey it. The only way to avoid breaking the law is to have no law to break. So the promise is received by faith It is given as a free gift and we're all certain to receive it whether or not we live according to the law of Moses. We have faith like Abraham's for Abraham is the father of all who believe. Romans 4, 20 to 25 says this, Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger and in this he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God was able to do whatever he promises. Because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. And when God counted him as righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit, it was recorded for our benefit too, assuring us that God will also count us as righteous if we believe in him. The one who raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. He was handed over to die because of our sins and was raised to life to make us right with God. Abraham leaves for us a legacy of faith or a legacy of belief. And my challenge to you today is to make a decision to believe. There's a promise and then there's a decision-making component. There's a a faith component. Now, our ability to believe God is affected by our cynicism. Our cynicism is the result of the society in which we live, our disappointment from the past, our inconsistencies within ourselves, and our tendency to, to try and live up to a standard that we're simply not able to live up to. Cynicism, it just, it, it just grows if you let it grow. It's only destroyed when you stand against it. Well, Tim's not really good enough. I've seen better musicians. Seen people more fashionable. Not, not many, Tim, not many, not many. Seen people with, with, most of us, yeah, you and I have seen lots of people with more hair. But, but, but do, do you know, the world around is, com- is comparing the, itself with Tim. 
when, when he watches uh, an advertisement of any sort, what it's actually saying is what you've got is not enough. What you need is this. And so cynicism becomes a part of our culture, a part of our society. It's, it's like you're never really enough. If you wear one brand, then that's not good enough because sooner or later there'll be something that's better. I think Tim seems to get the latest iPhone before it comes out. He's got the better, a better phone than everyone else. But it's not long before there's another one that comes out. And then what he has is inferior. And eventually you realize that the whole world operates like this. What you're wearing, the way you're looking, how you're feeling. The world is, is prone to self-destruction. John 10.10 10 says, the thief, the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. And the world in which we live, it operates on that basis. And the only way to overcome it is with faith. Some of what the world says is true. But we counteract what it says by faith. Earlier on, you know, we're singing songs and Sarah stood up and she said, you know, we're going to believe for a miracle. Well, the, the, the world in which we live has people getting older, getting sicker, everything's going down. And yet there are moments, there are highlights, there are minutes, if you like, where God intervenes and he works a sign of wonder, a miracle. Because people believe. Abraham's left a, a legacy for us and it's, a, it's an overarching legacy which, which enables us to enter into the kingdom of God simply by believing. On the basis of what Christ has done, simply by believing. But in your mind, you'll be saying, yes, but my behavior doesn't add up. My, I, I'm not good enough. I, I haven't done this right or I haven't done that right. And the world is trying to say, you're not qualified. And you're right, you know what? You're not. None of you are, none of us are. As Paul was making the point in Romans, you know, the law, the law will break you. Because at some point you think you've somehow succeeded, then you'll be destroyed. You'll fail at some point, somewhere, somehow. The only option for you is to believe God. And just as Abraham was counted righteous because of his faith, because of his belief, the same option is open to you. But it doesn't just apply to our salvation. In James, it says, faith without works is dead. Remember those three words I said before, there's a promise, there's belief, and then there's obedience. Well, there's a promise, there's faith, and there's action. What you believe will produce an action from you. If you're full of cynicism, it will produce a life full of cynicism. If you're full of faith, then it will produce a life full of faith. I wish it was as uh, complete as that, but I think what actually happens is there are points at which we believe and, and we, we act in obedience in that, and there are other points where we disbelieve and we, we, we get that result as well. But what I'm trying to do today is encourage you to believe. 
Believing is, a cho- is a choice. It's not based on facts. This is a bottle of water. You don't need faith to believe that it's a bottle of water. It is. There's no, no action really required. When we trust God, we're not, we're not trying to work out a fact or something that, you, you see, we're taking a step of faith. I'm not going to step off this stage this morning. But, you know, if, if I'm Peter and I'm in the boat and I have to walk on the water, the facts tell me I shouldn't be doing it. And he was stuck between a promise, which was Jesus said, come walk to me on the water. He had to, in that moment, choose whether or not to believe. And then his actions needed to follow his belief. If it was me, I'd have probably stayed in the boat. Why? Because the facts would have been more compelling than the person delivering the promise. And the world we live in today has us holding on to the facts more than the one who is delivering a promise. And the outcome of our life is a result of that. And so it's your choice. You can believe or you don't have to believe. Some of you have strong faith with regard to your salvation. But then when it comes to other areas of the promises God makes in his word, your cynicism rules. And you get the results of your cynicism. I want to finish by making just a few more points. Faith is a choice. You can choose to believe or refuse to believe. Faith is never based on circumstance. It relies on a promise. Faith is the key element for our salvation. Our belief, not our behaviour, is the basis of our relationship. Faith unlocks favour and friendship. Cynicism destroys friendship. A simple example to finish. My relationship with Ruth is based on faith. And you might say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, trust. And while trust is maintained, our relationship continues to go well. It's being tested at the moment. It's a a period of testing that will probably cease in a few weeks, hopefully. I'm looking, I'm going to apply at Centrelink for carer's allowance. I don't know how that all works, but... But the reality is this, our relationship works well while trust is maintained. If Ruth breaks trust or I break trust, cynicism comes in and relationship starts to break down. That makes sense, doesn't it? I do something and Ruth does something and relationship starts to break down. We've had moments like that and usually it's around money. Say, because I keep a good eye on those things and say, Ruth, this has turned up on the credit card. What is it? I don't know. It wasn't me. Well, it wasn't me. So who was it? Okay, I'll ring the bank. I'll ask the bank. No, 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 no. It was probably me. I just can't remember. Where's the receipt? Because we always keep the receipts. Well, I I don't know where the receipt is. And some of you may uh, 
experience similar things in your home, I'm not sure. But what happens is, if, 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 if the argument keeps going, I say, well, I just can't trust you with a credit card because you don't know what you're spending the money on. And do you think that's going to help the relationship? It breaks down, doesn't it? I get in trouble. We, and, and some of you say, yeah, yeah, some of that happens in our household too. When you don't trust God, do you think that builds relationship or destroys it? When, when God makes a promise to you and you choose to adopt a cynical approach, do you think that helps the relationship or do you think that decreases it? It's not that God withdraws. What happens is internally, you begin the process of destruction. John 10.10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. His goal is to destroy your relationship with one another and with God. And it's triggered simply by a lack of trust. James 2.23 says this, and so it happened just as the scriptures say. Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. I want you to be called a friend of God and the best way for that to happen is for you to make a decision to believe despite the circumstance, despite the difficulty, despite all the warning signs, believe warning signs, believe God. You'll find friendship, you'll find favor, and your future will be secure. Father, I pray today. Come by your Holy Spirit, minister to each one of us, wherever we're at, whatever we're doing. Whether we're at home, whether we're in the car, whether we're here in the room. I know that even though there are times where we all struggle with believing you, that we can make the choice despite the signs around about us. May your words become more dominant in our thinking and may our decision to believe your words trigger action in our lives that reflect the faith we have in you. Father, I pray, teach us, this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Hey, what a great message. Thanks for joining us here at Resound Church. We pray that you've been encouraged through the message and that you've grown just a little bit closer to God. While you're online, why don't you head over and give us a like on Facebook or Instagram or check out our website at resound.church. You can subscribe to our content on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or head over to our website resound.church forward slash app to grab our app, which will keep you up to date with everything going on. Well, don't forget next week, there'll be another amazing podcast here to listen to from Resound Church. We hope you join us then.